0: You're listening to Straight Talk, No Chaser. Hello, welcome to Straight Talk, No Chaser, the show with open, honest dialogue in order to share our thoughts, ideas, and beliefs where you the listener choose our topics of discussion i'm your host dr james along with the sultan of the soundboard mr phoenix and i'm excited about today's show in the studio we have a special guest with us uh, for our discussion topic today our special guest on the show today is professor josh Uh, he teaches history josh has his bachelor's degree in history from pfeiffer university And he has his master's degree in secondary education from the University of North Carolina at Charlotte, and it is wonderful to have him on the show today. Thank you for taking the time to be a guest on the show today. Um, From our emails, I've chosen a topic from a a listener. Uh, They sent this email in, a question for us, and it's going to be the topic of our show today. Here's the email since America was founded as a Christian nation, and I'm doing that in quotations, since America was founded as a Christian nation, why do we allow other religions, such as Muslim and Buddhist, to build places of worship here in America? Let me say now, first of all, as a, as a lover of history, I'm amazed at the narrow-mindedness and the shallowness of most Americans. Uh, in this age of information ignorance is a choice uh, the information's out there if you'll just study and look at it uh, and i'm surprised about how many people are so ignorant about the true history of the founding of america and the founding fathers and so one of the reasons i wanted to bring you on the show today professor josh uh, was to just bounce some of these questions and this this idea this email off of you and so let's just jump right in. Let Let me ask you question number one. Was America founded as a Christian nation?
1: Hello, and thanks for having me. Um, it's very interesting that this topic is going to come up because it is a very controversial and very talked about discussion and topic, but I'm happy to answer. So your first question you said, was, was America founded as a Christian nation? I think you really have to break it down and, and Just look at the facts of the document. So I would start, if I'm going to start by looking at was America founded as a Christian nation, I really need to look at the documents that our founding was about. Um, And realistically, if you, a simple Google search can pull up and tell you that the United States was actually the very first federal government ever established to have absolutely no official state religion. There's no officially indoor state religion that you won't find in any of our founding documents that America is a blank religious nation because it was intended to be the opposite of that. Uh, it was intended to be a nation in which people from all creed and color could come and realistically practice what they believed. Now I know you'll oftentimes you'll hear people argue at the, at the fact that, well, you know, the Puritans and this specific religi- religious group um would really torture people that didn't believe like they did or so on and so forth but the realistic of that is that was very small um in the facet of what the united states was founded as and when you begin to look at any of our core documents that you consider to be a american document um, it all advocates for freedom of all religions And, and the main point of that is when when you look at it um the freedom of religion has to do with the right to choose whichever religion you prefer without government interference. That's how it's written about in the founding documents.
0: Or, or even no religion at all. Correct. If, you know, for the, those that are atheist or have no belief system whatsoever, they still have that right. And Correct. that's what the founding fathers intended. So, so why do we hear so many people say we're a Christian nation or we used to be a Christian nation?
1: I think it's because of the ideal that they wish we were, so to speak, or the misconception that our founding fathers actually were um, these Christian-valued men in the uh, invel- in, uh, evangelical sense in which we, we discuss.
0: Well, I'm glad you, you brought that up real quick because that's question number two. Were the founding fathers Christian? And when I say Christian, again, in quotation marks, Uh, in the evangelical sense we have today, or the sense of the Christians we know today, were our founding fathers Christians?
1: Well, when you start... Looking at Founding Fathers, um, you have to identify who you want to talk about because the Founding Fathers could be the argument that it's any man that attended the Second Continental Congress to establish our nation and the decision to go to war against England. You then could go with the uh, men who were responsible for drafting the Articles of Confederation or responsible for drafting the Constitution, which, you know, is still around today. Um, But... Realistically, when you say Founding Fathers, there's some big names and big heavy hitters that people tend to draft to. Benjamin Franklin's one, right. George Washington's one, yep. Thomas Jefferson's one. Um, and you can go on with John Adams. You can go on with looking at John Hancock. I mean, there's there's a very, Hamilton, very Hamilton. Know. Yes, you can easily go through and look at all these men. Um, and I encourage whoever is interested to look um, because what you'll find is that these men were not necessarily what we call today to be Christian.
0: Right. They were more moralist and deist, and uh, I mean, that's just a simple, just do some reading in in your history book uh, will let us know that they were more, they were very moral men, and they were church-going individuals or religious individuals, but not to the sense that we want to claim Christian of today.
1: Yeah, you're you're exactly right. So, I mean, I I think the best way to do it is we'll just kind of focus in on those three or four men that we consider to be the big name founding fathers and we can just start with the very first president himself george washington you can take yourself over to mountvernon.org you know the organization that is responsible for preserving the history of george washington uh... and there's a nice little read about the eight things about george washington and his religious beliefs And the fact about it is, is Washington was a very private man and kept his religion very private. Mm -hmm. He attended a multitude of churches. He never had a specific denomination that he attended. And he would actually only attend service about once a month. The reason he attended about once a month was, A, because of the long ride, and B, because that at the time was what was required by Virginia law. It was required by Virginia law that every one of their citizens must... Um, be present in some church service at least once a month. And so he was doing it out of fulfilling the law in order to not be breaking the law. You then can turn around as you're going down with Washington and you can look at um, his very big belief in that all religion— regardless would be and should be accepted in the United States. He said in his inaugural address that, you know, religious communities are going to be allowed to express their religious belief, that it's in the Constitution and it's what needs to to happen and and make sure they guarantee that all people believe and can believe and practice what they believe however they want. Um, Christian
0: or non-Christian. Christian Christian or non-Christian. Whatever that may be. And, And I guess one of the reasons this has really hit a sore spot with me I'm reading this email as, you know, even though they just named out Muslim and and Buddhist, uh, whatever your religion may be, the founding fathers intended for them to have the right to worship however, wherever, whenever they wanted to without the fear of being persecuted or judged because of that. Um, because that's what they had spent so many centuries in England trying to fight against. Between the the, the Church of England, the, the Catholic Church, the Puritans, they had been fighting because they had been forced to believe a certain way. And I think here in America, we've got to be careful when we began being dogmatic about this Christian nation when that is not the intent of the Founding Fathers, nor was that their practice or belief.
1: You're exactly right. And... I mean, and another thing I would point out is a lot of people don't acknowledge, but George Washington was a Freemason. Yes. And according to a lot of religious sectors is if, you know, a lot of Christians look down upon Freemasons and don't necessarily uh, believe that it What's should be. It's a secret society. Yeah, a they, secret, they, yeah, They think it's wrong. Definitely. And he was actually a first master, so he actually held a very high position Um, in a lodge in Alexandria, Virginia. So I mean when you look at George Washington break it down, can you find uh, aspects of his life where he believed religion? Yes. Did he require or did he suggest, I wouldn't say require, suggest that there were fasting um, among his military troops in the revolution? Yes. Did he believe that you know they shouldn't be gambling and swearing because it could possibly turn God's anger towards them and, and lose their favor? Yes. But when you look at him as a whole, George Washington would more likely be um, orthodox Christian in the sense he believed that there was a God, he believed that there was a personal relationship with God and man, but he did not believe in immediate, necessarily, judgment um as we see it today because he he did not believe in that eternal sin. Um and he also writes quite a few times about the questioning of the divinity. Was it actually was Jesus actually divine? Which would immediately take you out of what we call Christians today.
0: Now so you're stepping on people's toes cuz they look at George Washington as being the a top notch and again I'm holding my fingers up Christian as being one of the founding fathers. But he's not the only one. Just just taking the, uh, the simple time to investigate and read historically, you can find. I mean, Thomas Paine won the founding fathers. He was a deist, and uh, his book, Age of Reasoning, which is a favorite of mine, I, I enjoyed the, the read uh, of that book. Um, but Thomas Paine is the he's a deist. He believes in God, but was not what you and I would consider an evangelical Christian of today.
1: You're you're exactly right and you said Thomas so I'm going to take you on to Thomas Jefferson who is right. also considered one of the founders. I mean I, I I refer to him in my classes TJ. I love TJ. Uh, I love Thomas Jefferson what he stood for, but in his own writing, he is what is considered a devout theist. Um, He believes that there is some sort of benevolent creator, um, God to whom humans owe praise and need to praise. And he even wrote in one of his first political texts that the God who gave us life gave us liberty at the same time, and that kind of that phrase of life, liberty. Um, He also referred to God as being our creator and having infinite power. But once again, he also kind of had a very big different a uh, different perspective than what most Christians do on afterlife because there's a little there's a little difference. Um, he kind of seems, as a young man, to believe that there was a conventional view of heaven, but then he kind of thought more along the uh, the lines of uh, materialism, um, and this is where he encounters doubts that he believed that everything was materialistic, that there was no such thing as a spiritual world and a physical world, that everything was just one world, and he really believes that. He's not 100% sure whether uh, he believes that there were miracles in the Bible. He doesn't believe that there's a power of prayer. And even in his own writing, he questions the divinity of God as well.
0: All right, now, now let me stop you right there because you have just upset a lot of people that are probably going to be listening to this <laughs> podcast. And, and so my question is, <clears throat> You're you're stating fact, mm-hmm. historical fact. fact by his own handwriting.
1: Correct. That's correct. Uh,
0: w- what I want to do is is grab your sources mm-hmm. and, and put it in the in the uh, in the little information section. We'll we'll link that information, link those sources, so that uh, you can go look for look at it yourself. And like I said that's why I'm amazed in this age of information your ignorance is a choice. Correct. And uh, because the information's there if you're willing most time we just say well this is what I've always been told or this is what I've always heard or right. and, instead of looking at it for yourself.
1: Yeah and I don't I don't like falling down the line of just listening what people say cuz you're exactly right your statement that in this age of information ignorance is a true choice and you're right i gave, i cited george washington as mount Vernon.org, and i'll cite again thomas jefferson at monticello.org which is once again the organization that's responsible for preserving the history of thomas jefferson and all they all all that happens is pulling from his writing and his excerpts um, stating his beliefs and what he thinks and what he doesn't think and why the nation should follow these moral views? Because it was viewed more as a moral society to be a religious society. It wasn't necessarily the fact that these men were so utmost religious; it just happened to believe that they agreed with the morals that went along with religion that we know as being Christian.
0: Well, let's and let's jump to also to to Benjamin Franklin, who, who not only one of the founding fathers but a great inventor gave us. Uh, the majority of, of things we have today with the bifocals and the mail system and, and, and libraries. So let's, let's talk about Benjamin Franklin because he not only played an active part in the writing of the articles, but he was also ambassador to France. He, would go, he went overseas uh, vying for America and, and tell us a little bit on his belief system.
1: So Benjamin Franklin, when all this was going down of the creation of the new nation, he was one of our elders. Now, he was in the, his seventies or so, give or take. Um, and he had actually, when when the American independence um, began, he had actually just came back from a nearly a decade in England, being the advocate for the American colonists. And and when he comes back, <clears throat> he very much sets in and listens and observes, and he comes kind of going to kind of fall along the lines of some of the men we've talked about, and the reference I'd pull for Benjamin Franklin is his own letter that he writes to Ezra Stiles. Ezra Stiles is the president of Yale College at the time, and the the letter has to do with they're wanting to hang a picture of him in the college and kind of honor his legacy because he was what we would call, say, a renaissance man. He had a lot of different facets about him and skills he could bring in, and in the, in the question, um, Ezra Stiles, in the letter that Benjamin Franklin received from Ezra Stiles, it asked about his religion. And Benjamin Franklin re- replies, he said, You desire to know something of my religion? And, I, and I'm quoting. And he said, It is the first time I have been questioned upon it. But I cannot take your curiosity amiss and shall endeavor in a few words to gratify it. And he states, Here is my creed. I believe in one God, creator of the universe that he governs it by his providence, that he ought to be worshipped, that the most acceptable service we render to him is doing good to his other children. I believe that the soul of man is immortal and will be treated with justice in another life, respecting its conduct in this. But what I want to add before you get too excited is, is his next little line. As to Jesus of Nazareth, in my opinion, of whom you particularly desire, I think the system of morals and his religion, as he left them to us, the best the world ever saw or is likely to see, but I apprehend it has received various corrupting changes, and I have with most of the present dissenters in England some doubts as to his divinity. So in his own words, if we're going to try to classify that he is a Christian as we deem Christian today, well, he just stated in his own words in his letter to Ezra Stiles, the president of Yale College, that he does not necessarily agree that Christ is divine, and he attributes to the possible corrupt changes and misinterpretations that have been had since Jesus' death and resurrection.
0: What when? What was the year that was written?
1: Um, that would have been written in. Um, in 1790. It was one of his last and final letters, and it's one of the most treasured letters because it's the only time in his entire life where he discusses his personal faith.
0: And, a, and an absolutely excellent read also. I recommend it. Um, now, we're running long. We may even have to make this uh, uh, two different podcasts, um, but real quick, let me ask you question number three that I have coming out of this email from the listener. Uh, discuss the meaning of of freedom of religion from the perspective of the founding fathers and we've touched on it uh, but let's elaborate just a little bit more what did they mean the founding fathers when the in the articles they wrote freedom of religion
1: so as we kind of touched on a little bit earlier you're right freedom of religion was a, a very founding principle of our government um, and it's basically just broken down into it is the guaranteed right guaranteed um, under the First Amendment to the United States Constitution that you can practice your religion or exercise your belief without intervention by the government and it is to be free of exercise of authority by a church through the government. So meaning there should be no state sponsored church because you gotta think they're coming from England where there was a state sponsored church and a state sponsored religion. So their goal was not necessarily um, immediately intended to allow government intervention in that. They were actually deciding to keep it totally separate so that the government would not influence the church because at the time they were seeing a lot of corrupt laws and corrupt belief systems that were influenced directly by the hand of the king. And so the point of it to be written was not necessarily to protect the government from religion, but to protect religion from government interference, which is why it often is believed you know, when we talk about separation of church and state. Many people misquote and misrepresent that because the separation of church and state has nothing to do with keeping religion out of politics. It's actually the opposite way around. It's keeping politics out of religion so it does not corrupt it. Because a lot of the Founding Fathers believed that the government could easily become corrupt, which is why they put us an escape clause in case the government became too tyrannical. It was our duty and our responsibility to rise up and overtake.
0: But the freedom of religion, there is no state religion. It is not a Christian religion that you have to believe. Our Constitution and America was founded to give us the right to worship whoever whenever, in whatever manner, we see or deem fit according to our personal beliefs.
1: Correct. And I do want to throw in because I I know this is meant to be a straight talk. No chaser. It's meant to be honest and open. And, And I'll admit, as a Christian myself, it is sometimes hard to swallow, but I have to set aside my opinion and my feelings and just look at the facts. And the facts that we look at deal with what these men said in their own words, that they are more deist and more theist than necessarily personally devout Christians what we say. Well,
0: and just as you have the right for your Christian belief, Mm -hmm. any other religion has their right. Correct. And and we say we're land of the free, home of the brave, and uh, that freedom that we enjoy is for everybody, not just a select few or a certain few. Um, look, we're running long. Uh, thank you again, uh, Josh, for taking time to talk with us. Thank you for having me. And uh, may, we'll pick this up again because I've got several more questions. And I know our after hearing the podcast, our listeners will probably email some more in. And uh, But we're going to pause right there. In conclusion, our uh, United States Constitution affords everyone the right to the freedom of religion, no matter what that religion may be. Now I know after listening to the podcast you may have some comments or questions or things you want to send in please send all the feedback to straight talk no chaser 2019 at gmail.com that's straight talk no chaser 2019 at gmail.com
1: and if i can't add real quick dr james I do highly encourage you go research and comment because I'm certain I'm happy to do a part two of this and we'll answer some more questions and and totally into it. Go research. Just make sure when you're reading, don't pick and pull. Make sure you read the entire body before you pick and choose because a lot of times it's easy to get caught up in one or two sentences. And I could have gotten caught up in Benjamin Franklin's one or two sentences, but you have to read the entire body of work.
0: And look at the source, Correct, too. correct, I always. Mean, as much as we love Wikipedia and it jumps up first, <laughs> you have to be careful. Make sure it's a reliable source that you're pulling from when you're reading these documents. Listen, thanks for being here. Thanks for listening to the podcast. This is Dr. James reminding you that the best talk is straight talk with no chaser.